But there's something in your heart that's bothering you. There's something that's weighing over you. There's something that's affecting your emotions to be able to connect with the love of God. The love of God is in our hearts. It's shed there by the Holy Spirit. It's there as a promise of God. It's, it's there from the moment we accept Christ. But we have so many different things that we're dealing with that it gets pushed aside. But it is faith and hope that bring about the presence of God, bring about the love of God, and it helps us to reach forward and to believe for our future. Faith and hope are God's gifts of graces. It's His power and ability. Remember, grace is God's ability in our life. That's what grace is. We talk about the grace of God, that we're saved by grace. It is God's power through grace that saved us through Jesus Christ that causes us to be born again and gives us that expectation of new life. It gives that confidence that we are free from our sins no matter what we feel like, no matter what the enemy uh, accuses us of. It is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us of our sin. It is the blood of Jesus that separates from our sin, that washed over even God's remembrance of sin so he could have fellowship with us. And so that grace is a powerful thing. So hope is a grace of God and faith is a grace of God. God's power and ability working in us so that we keep believing and we keep having hope for the future. Especially in our day and age when all these things are happening. And now another earthquake in Alaska, people dying, wars, problems at the border, problems in, the, in finances, problems in the political arena. We have to have our hope in Jesus Christ, not on what uh, news happens You know, it's hardly rare that they tell us something good. It's always something negative because it gets attention. But we need good news, and the good news of the gospel brings faith to our heart. It gives hope about our future. We're all dealing with the past. I heard something from a Hallmark movie last week. Our problem is not the past. The problem is the past that's still inside of us. God, we're always asking for freedom, but what is our mindset? What do we think about what is, what is plaguing us from the past? It's something that has taken up residence in our heart, in our mind. And it pulls us back to old memories and old things and old thoughts. And it puts on hold the hope of our future and what God has promised to us. This is a divine nature, the soul's joy and delight, or its complacent rest in God and holy delight in all his saints. And it is an everlasting work when faith and hope shall be no more. Faith fixes on the divine revelation and assents to that hope fastens on the future, joy and delight, and waits for that. In heaven, faith will be swallowed up in vision and hope in fruition. There is no room to believe and hope when we see and enjoy. Faith and hope are going to apprehend to, uh, for us the good things that God has. And it's saying when we're in heaven, we won't have to have faith or hope because we're going to live with the reality of everything God's promised and we believe for. We're going to see everything we've desired and hoped for, every expectation for the future in heaven, for the goodness of God and being protected and free from all Satan's uh, power, from all the earthly temptations we've had in this physical body, when we have achieved our faith and our hopes end by being in the presence of God, by being in the love of God. Faith triumphs through hope. You know, faith is the first gift that we receive. The first gift, we get a gift of grace when we receive Jesus. And it's given to us by God. It says no one can come to God unless the Holy Spirit draws them. And you could think about what happened in the process where you got in your life where 
you began to feel drawn to the love of God. That's the grace of God that came to you. And that's when faith was imparted. When you receive Jesus, there's an impartation of faith that you have. And it's all the faith you need, but it's a faith that has to be continually developed, appropriated, applied. And hope, you're going to see, is that backup part that keeps generating a faith inside of you. In Romans 5, 1-5, Paul wrote this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, that establishing our sin has been dealt with. God's not thinking about our sin. We're free because of the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus. Now, Satan can attack us with our mind and cause us to remember our, our past and make us feel dirty or shamed or separated from God. But that's an effect he's doing on our emotion. The truth is, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we can shift from being feeling condemned and separated from God into a place of confidence. Thank you, Jesus, that you're not thinking about my sin. I'm being bombarded right now of feeling how dirty I am or feeling how, how separated I am because you, you see your, your uh, old nature or whatever, and you know your potential to, to sin or have attitudes. But there's a separation that comes that you can rise above that in faith and in hope of what Jesus did for you, that you can live an overcoming life through your hope in Jesus Christ and your faith in what Jesus already did for you. And so you can straighten out your head in a moment. Satan's always going to be attacking you. And if you did sin or you did something, you come to God and you say, Hey, will you please forgive me? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from the unrighteousness of the sin. Why? He wants us in constant fellowship. He wants us to walk in what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Verse 3 of Romans 5 And not only that, but we glory also. We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. That's where where we get attacked. When we don't see something happen, we give up. Again, we go into that passive place and we start losing our hope. But remember that those things, tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. So we have to keep pressing on. We have to keep believing and having hope. And hope is part of a character uh, thing we we take on, God's character, by developing our hope in what Jesus has promised and what God's Word promises us. You know, our our world is always telling us, um, take the easy way out. We're always looking for the shortcut, the fastest way to cook our food, the fastest way to get a meal, the fastest way to get finances. Um, There's always something in the world that's trying to show a shortcut. God's way of having hope is going through the difficulties. That's what develops our faith. That's what creates and generates a greater hope in believing God and believing in something that we haven't seen yet, believing a promise that God has given to us that we have not yet seen. God uses difficulty to develop our endurance. And maybe you can say, man, I haven't had much endurance. It's okay. God, by His Holy Spirit, wants to help us all develop our endurance in our faith. Hope comes when we have waited and pressed through our difficulties. Um, Anybody here a long-distance runner? Yes, David! We all need to become like David. 
God wants us to be long-distance people, that we're persevering and we're not letting anything steal our hope, our joy, our expectation of what God has for us. And so he's calling us to be those endurance runners, to have that same perception. There's a goal I'm heading for. There's a hope. There's something God has promised. And we live our lives pressing forward to attain that hope. And we get grace and strength by continuing on. It's interesting that we come to the weakest place in our life, and then as we're hanging on, we find there's a grace kicks in, and we find there's this new energy that sweeps over us to keep moving forward in God. The world also tells people nowadays, you young people, I'm sorry you've been hearing this message, that you're entitled, that you deserve. Kick those words out of your vocabulary. We don't deserve anything. We are not entitled to anything except what Jesus says is ours. But we humbly receive that by receiving God's word and humbly coming in and serving God. Then we receive what he's made provision for us and what he's promised us is our inheritance. Verse 5 of Romans 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. And so for us, adjusting our thinking and not going by our emotions all the time helps us keep in the love of God that's been poured into our hearts. And it's that faith and hope that keeps us and causes us to rise above our circumstances and what tries to steal our hope and our joy that's in Christ. Faith and hope feed on adversity. Are you facing something right now? You need to switch something in your mind and get this expectation, get this excitement. Okay, I am facing this. I'm feeling overwhelmed. My back is against the wall. Okay, God, how are you going to deal with this? Remember, God is with you and God goes before you. He's, he's walking alongside you. The helper Holy Spirit is walking right alongside you. And so whatever you're facing, you, have, you can face it in faith and expectation because you know God is going before you and God's going to deal with it. Faith and hope feed on adversity. Faith and hope. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The definition of faith from Strong's is a confidence and a trust. Trustworthiness, a reliability and assurance. And since we're talking about God, it's our faith in God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The next word, because faith is the substance of things hoped for, substance from the Strong's means a support, a substance, a steadiness, an assurance, and a confidence. Evidence is proof, means of proof, with a view of convincing and refuting. Matthew Henry's comment on Hebrews 11.1. 1, we have, here we have, a definition or description of the power of grace that faith has in two parts. It is the substance of things hoped for. Faith and hope go together. And the same things that are the object of our hope are the object of our faith. They're like a team. It is a firm persuasion and expectation that God will perform all that he has promised to us in Christ. And this persuasion is so strong that it gives the soul a kind of possession and present fruition of those things. It gives them as substance in the soul by the first fruits and foretastes of them. Have you ever had that experience? 
where something was promised to you by God and you went through maybe a lot of time in opposition, but then all of a sudden in your soul, it's like you already had it. Has that happened to everybody? And if it hasn't, I believe it's going to happen. It happened to me the first time when I had prayed for a wife for 10 years. I had dated a couple of Christian girls. God said no. But I remember one day that faith had reached its place where God was going to move. And I remember waking up and God saying to me, you're going to get married. And I was so excited because inside I had received the promise. Even though there was no substance, I had not seen the person. I had not been introduced to the person. But there was something that faith did. I feel like when God connects our hope and our faith in what he said, and we receive it, and we get to that timing when it's about to appear, there is something that's so satisfying than actually getting the promise. And I had that. And then within two weeks, I met Dory, and we we got engaged within six months and got married. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, that faith. And it's so important to have faith. It says without faith, it is impossible to please God. But remember, God initially gives us faith in our born-again experience, but it's our hope and our faith together that causes us to rise above the circumstances, to live an overcoming life, to live a life of, of expecting and waiting and watching the promises of God fulfilled. God wants to partner with us like never before in everything that faces us, in everything that's in opposition to us, that God is with us, and He wants us to be overcomers. He wants us not to be pulled down by circumstance and the things that we see and the things that want to attach to our feelings. He wants us to keep rising above those things, and it's by our faith and in our hope. Faith is a substance. It's a solid thing. Jesus was just a man, but he walked on water, right? And didn't Peter walk on water with him? So it wasn't Peter's learned ability. It was Peter's faith in Christ and his hope in who the one he walked with. That's what you have. Your faith in God, in the promises of God, and your hope in who he says he is and who you're seeing him to be. Now, you have to watch because sometimes when disappointment happens, it starts messing with your faith and it starts messing with your hope. It's almost like today, maybe some some of you have to do like, when I was a kid, we had those those like wax things where it was like a hard cardboard and a wax and you write it and then you went, you know, and you wrote again. God wants to do that in places of disappointment and deferred expectation. You have to have that happen so that you can start over in your faith and your hope can be renewed in God. I don't care what you've gone through, what it looks like. I don't care if you compare your life to someone else and you feel like you've had the worst life ever. I tell you, God wants to change your life. God wants to do something that's supernaturally going to say to you that God cares about you and he's going to restore you. So faith is a substance. Faith is solid. And this is going to be your experience. Through what's going on in faith, there's going to be that something that rises in you and you know that, that you're holding on to solid things. It's a substance. It's solid. Spiritual things are not visible, but God who is spirit is invisible. 
And yet, by faith, he's very tangible. We appropriate everything that we get from God by faith, by reading his word, and then when we receive a promise or we see something in the word that almost like drops from our head into our heart, that's a substance of what God is going to give you. You have to hang on to it. You have to pray over it. You have to wait for God's perfect timing for it to happen. But you have to hold on to it in faith. You have to believe that God is the one who gave you the word who make, can make that word come to pass. <clears throat> Hebrews eleven three, By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made by, of things which are visible. Talk about substance of faith. The whole world was made by something that can't not be seen. And yet everything we see now was created by faith, by a substance that was invisible. Hope, our definition of hope from Strong's. An expectation, something yearned for, anticipated eagerly, something someone waits for. That was the Old Testament definition. In the New Testament from the Greek, hope definition in uh, Strong's, not in the sense of an optimistic outlook or wishful thinking without any foundation, but hope is in a sense of confident expectation based on solid certainty. Again, we're talking about faith in what God's word says. If God's word is not true, if he was wishy-washy, then right now the whole universe would cease to exist because all the world and the universe is held up by the word of his power. So that's something solid you can stand on, you can bank on, you can depend on it. Biblical hope rests on God's promises. Micah prophesied about the Messiah coming 700 years prior to Jesus' birth. In Micah 5.2, he wrote, But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. I want to ask you this question today. What is your hope? What is your hope? What kind of hopes do you have? And I think it's, it's a day to, to really um, maybe identify your hopes. Are, are your hopes just natural hopes? Are your hopes based in a promise of God? Are your hopes based on what some person has promised you? Some of those might have to be released today because you're putting hope in something that can maybe never happen because there's no power behind it. Or it's hope in something that really is not what God's will is for you. Sometimes we put hope in people and they're not the right person for us. When I first started dating, when I first went out with a Christian girl, I was all excited. My hope was like, yeah, she's the one. She's in ministry. She loves God. She's kind of cute. But when God said no, I had to throw my hope out. Even though I prayed and fasted about changing God's mind, no is no. So sometimes we have to get rid of our hope. Sometimes our hope in the wrong thing can keep us from having the things that God has for us, the things that God wants for us, the things that are going to bless us, the things that are going to work in our faith that we continually get more and more things with God because he's giving us hopes that are firm and uh, believable and are happening 
And it builds something inside of us that we have something so strong that we're living for and, and living with and something we're embracing more and more God's will because we see he's a God who keeps his word. He's a God who, who fills me with love. He's a God that forgives me. He's a God that gives me hope for the future. He's a God that answers my prayers. He's a God that gives me breakthroughs. That's the kind of person you start aligning more and more with. Hey, whoever's going to take care of you, you're going to become friends with, right? So what is your hope? In Colossians 1.27, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among you Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. <clears throat> That's probably the biggest hope you have, that if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, Jesus is living in you. I don't care what your mental state is, your emotional state, what problems you're dealing with. Your hope is Christ in you, that you have the Creator living inside of you. You have the one who beat the death, you have the one that was born from a virgin. You have the one who walked on water, the one who healed the blind and the sick and the lame. The one who promises he's coming back for you. The one who defeated Satan at the cross and sealed his doom and is going to bring an end. That's your hope. That's my hope. Here's a pastor desire for people. First Thessalonians 2.19. This is why I pastor. For what is our hope? or our joy, or crown of rejoicing. Is it not you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ as is coming? My hope is that when he comes, you will be the strongest Christian you can be. You will know every gift that God has imparted into you, and you will be operating in them. That you will so know Jesus and love Jesus that when we're in heaven, I can be grateful. Yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to pastor those people. Thank you for allowing me to pray for those people. Thank you that they grew up and they knew all who they were to be and they became all that they could be. They used every talent gift that you had given them because they surrendered their life to you. That is my hope as a pastor. Here's the blessed hope. Titus 2.13, Paul tells us to be looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Almost a thousand years they looked for the promise of Messiah. The Jews hoped for Messiah. When he came, they didn't recognize him. He didn't come how they expected. Jesus promised, it's been 2,000 years, Jesus promised that he would return in the clouds and every eye will see him. That is a hope I have. In our Bible study, we're going through Revelations and you men, if you have time, come out on, on Saturday. Uh, Jerry's doing an awesome job of just getting us into the word and you know, getting it, letting, allowing us all to share. There's such a great thing going on there. But, you know, talking about the end times, talking about Jesus is coming back, that is a reality. Just like the promised Messiah came, and though they looked for it, and some of the generations never saw it, Jesus was born, and he came into the world. But we're waiting for the second return. We could see it. You guys, we could see it in our lifetime. We could see Jesus return. That is a reality. That's a hope, but that's a substance that's going to happen. Hope from the Psalms. The sons of Korah were the priests. They were the pastors in the temple back in the, the early days. In Psalms 42, 5, they wrote this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Get that, the help from his countenance. When we're hoping in God, when we're going to God in prayer and we're down, we're going to him. But it's in his countenance is where we receive his presence. 
And it is His presence that overwhelms us with love, that brings us assurance that we have connected with God, that raises us above our problem and allows us to lay hold of faith and have that hope that God is going to carry and take care of something that I just prayed about. Our experience with God in His presence, that's encountering His countenance, changes us. Why diagnose our emotional state? These men of God, the sons of Korah, these priests, God had to speak to their souls also. Even though they maintained the prayer in the temples, they maintained the candles burning, the sacrifices, that showbread that was before the Holy of Holies that represented God's presence, His living presence. Yet, they had wrote this psalm because they got discouraged even though they were the closest people to God. They were giving their whole life in service to God. And yet, they had to deal with human emotions. Here's a verse that seems repeated just a couple of verses later. Or is there something more in it? In Psalms 42.11, the sons of Korah wrote this. It seems the same. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him the help of my countenance and my God. So at see, in that place where they called out to God, in the place where they spoke to their soul, in the place where they connected with God's countenance or presence, they were encouraged and their countenance had hope. They went out of that prayer time. They went out of writing that psalm into a place of great confidence and great hope in God. Hope in God's word. My soul faints in Psalms 119.81. The psalmist wrote, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. You ever get in those moments where you're going to your prayer time and you are so discouraged, and yet there's a hope you have in a promise of God. There's a hope you have in the word of God. There's a hope you had in your experience with God where maybe you recall a memory of a great time with God and that kind of holds you to something as you're going through whatever you're going through. My hiding place. In Psalms 119 and 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Life trials invoke a need for us to hide. Do you ever feel like you just are hiding out? Maybe at work you're trying to hide out from your boss. <clears throat> you know what it's like to hide out. But finding that place in God where we hide out, where there's a safety. There's a safety when we pull away to pray. There's a safety when we're overwhelmed by uh, trials and tribulations and problems that are bigger than us. There's something that preserves us, and there's a hope that comes to us when we hide in God, when He's our shield of protection. When we find a scripture or something that encourages us, I was so discouraged last Saturday night. I had some news that so devastated me. And for me, a pastor, a lot of times I get devastation either on Sunday morning or a Saturday night. But I went to my knees and I opened my Bible and I began to read in, in, in Hebrews 11. And there was a word in there. There was, a, there was a phrase in there that so fit what I was going through in my heart. And I felt so excited. In fact, after that, I was excited about the negative news I had heard, about the pain that had gone into my heart. And I rose in that place, like I've been telling you about, that's a place of faith. That you start embracing the painful things because you know God's going to do something in that. He's going to change you. He's going to grow you spiritually. You're going to get through that challenge because all these challenges are tests of our faith because what he's doing in us, he's creating that new creation in us. He's creating that new nature and he's developing something in us that we're only going to really experience when it's completely done 
And in eternity, we're going to understand what he was doing right now by everything we went through. Don't get discouraged anymore by going through problems. Start getting excited about the problems because you're going to see God do something for you. Excuse me. (coughs) Cry out to the Lord in Psalms 119, 147. The psalmist wrote, I arise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. I have to ask you this question. The hopes that you have, are they based in the word of God? Because that's the only solid thing you can have hopes in. People a number of years ago had their hopes in their 401ks, but when the crash came in 207, 208, they lost. A lot of people lost their 401ks. Your hope has to be in God. Your hope has to be in something solid, something that's someone who's honest and truthful, someone who cannot lie. Where does hope come from? God's Word. Different places where it talks about inheritance. Some of them are so easy, like we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus, that we have a new nature, that God has sent His Holy Spirit in our hearts to change us, that the power of the Holy Spirit is working in us to do that work, that as we look at our lives and we we see things that still need to change, our confidence in the Holy Spirit until the day we meet Jesus or until the day we die, He is going to be working in us. Those are promises that we can rely on. But also, as you read through the Word, the Holy Spirit will put a highlight on a scripture and you'll feel it come alive. Those are promises. You should all have some kind of daily journal. I started probably over a year ago on my computer and I'm writing stuff at home and I come home and I put it on this daily journal because I can hardly read my writing sometimes when I'm scrolling. But having a journal where you can look back and see how God speaks and the more you start tuning in, you'll see God is constantly speaking. God is constantly speaking and communicating to you. But like you're starting to tune more and more to Him and so you're receiving more and more of the constant impartation. A lot of those things are promises of what He's going to do, things He's going to say. If you're in this church, you're going to get more accustomed to prophecy. And that's simply in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 through 14. It talks about different gifts. And prophecy is how God telling us things that are going to happen, things in the future. God is very prophetic. He wants you to know. The whole Bible is prophetic because he's talking about what he's going to do, what he will do. Then we see it unfold. The New Testament is the um, result of prophecy from the Old Testament, what God promised he was going to do. Hope deferred. This is what we're dealing with today, I think. In Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desires come, it is a tree of life. I think today, when we have our altar time, it'd be a time for you to maybe get prayer if you want prayer or come and pray on your own and just get your heart freed up from disappointment, deferred hopes, because that helps you <coughs> excuse me that helps you get freed up spiritually and really emotionally with God it's so key that our soul and our spirit are so close that when we're really free our emotions are right there there's joy there's peace but when we're down it's like our hearts in faith but our emotions are kind of <clears throat> they're kind of dragging and the place where we you've had deferred hope you've got to almost like let it go in fact, deferred hope can also be kind of like an offense with God. And Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended in me. When we're offended with God, 
<clears throat> we're stopping a lot of good things from happening. And when we build up these attitudes with God and offenses and hurts with God, it affects our spiritual life. But it only takes a minute to say, hey, God, please forgive me for being offended with you. But I have these disappointments. Will you take these disappointments? Will you free me on the inside that I can start over with you? Would you give me some fresh expectations? Will you help me in places I've been disappointed because I thought I heard your word right or I, I thought I was believing right? God, will you take this? <clears throat> because God is all-powerful and his timing is perfect, although we don't necessarily like his timing. When you give God back that promise and that disappointment, you're saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let go of it. I'm putting it on the back burner. Only you can make it happen. You are positioning yourself for him to fulfill that word or also to modify that word. You know, sometimes our promises have to do with other people, but God honors their will and their decisions. And so sometimes we're disappointed because they're not, they're not doing maybe what God wants them to do. And God's a respecter of their will. You can't change another person. The only person you can change is you. So it's better to be in right relationship with God and let him heal your heart than to live on in disappointment and be angry at God because you're not dealing with things. God made us to be ones who will resolve issues, especially with him. I think this is kind of an answer, is Jesus is our living hope. And to me, he's the one that helps us. Having a living hope, it means we have something that can deal with our, our um, hope that's been deferred. In 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope. That means my hope gets a little bit messed up or I get a little off. The Holy Spirit revives our hope. He makes it alive again. He restores our joy and our peace and gives us expectation for the future. In Romans 4.17, God promised Abraham, as it is written, I have made you, Abraham, a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. See, God has the ability to call something that's not happening as though it is. God has the ability, because he's God, to make a miracle happen for you that turns your faith into a, a real thing and a real expectation, your hope to be a real answer, something that you're seeing. And our key verse for today is Romans 4.18. <clears throat> Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became a father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Contrary to hope, I think that's where we live as Christians. But how often we live under the radar, we live depressed and discouraged because our life is contrary to the hopes that we have of God's miracle-working power, His provision, and His presence. What are you hoping for? It's time to resurrect.